listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Special Reports on the Legal Talk Network. This is Joe Patrice from Above the Law and your favorite podcast, Thinking Like a Lawyer. Also with me is Ellie Mistal from Thinking Like a Lawyer. We're hosting today's show being recorded on location in the Westin, New York, in Times Square, where we're at Above the Law's Academy for Private Practice. Uh, this particular episode of Special Reports, we're going to be talking to Ed Walters from Fast Case. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Ed is the uh, CEO and co-founder of Fast Case, where he worked, and before that, he worked at Covington Burling. So he's kind of been on both sides of the legal legal divide, both as a lawyer and as a vendor. And so let's talk real quick about Fast Case, uh, which, I mean, obviously gets cases fast, but what, <laughs> talk to us about Fast Case. Well, the idea was to democratize the law and make legal research smarter. So we didn't want to be like a cheaper version of the services everyone was already using. We didn't want to be like a Yugo of legal research. We wanted to be a Tesla of legal research. So not to do the same thing cheaper, but to maybe make it smarter from the bottom up. So we use things like citation analysis and data visualization and mobile apps to make research smarter, but also much easier to use. And the idea was to do that in a way that um, is so algorithmic and so intelligent that we could do it at scale. And that's allowed us to serve more than 800,000 subscribers, working with 29 state bar associations, uh, but not to charge exorbitant prices for it. And that's the model we've had for 16 years. So it's a, I'd say now it's really kind of catching on. Yeah, just playing around with, uh, with your website and stuff. The, the interactive timeline thing, you, you mentioned the data visualization, but I, I don't know as though it's as obvious how cool that is from just saying those words, but it's kind of incredibly fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a four-dimensional map of results that yeah. shows where uh, all of your results occurred over time and how important they are and how cited they are. Uh, but I think more than anything, it can tell you when to stop doing research, when you've read everything that's important. And sometimes all the results cluster around each other on the timeline, but other times your winning case hovers above the other right. ones like a death star of relevance saying, read me, I am the one. And for all the times that, you know, as a lawyer, you've had to go through a long list of results trying to find that one thing, to be able to find it with a single click, like, is the coolest thing in the world. Ed, at your uh, keynote here at Above the Law's heavily branded event, whose name I refuse to remember, <laughs> um, you emphasize uh, the difference between kind of thinking like a lawyer and thinking like a, like a regular human. Um, could you expand on that a little bit? When we're not doing this, Joe and I do a podcast called Thinking Like a Lawyer. What, this is what, the notice of the suit that's going to Yeah, right, 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 right. That branding I can remember. <laughs> um, what do you think is the crucial difference between thinking like a lawyer and thinking like a person? Well, I was talking in my, in my keynote this morning about uh, my high school art teacher, uh, Beverly Wilson, who said, Sopper we dare. I'm going to teach you how to draw and to paint and everything else, but more than that, I'm going to teach you to learn to see. So our thinking like a lawyer is a crucial set of skills that we acquire in law school and in practice in learning how to analyze issues like lawyers do. But the important thing that I want to emphasize is that we must also think like a non-lawyer at the same time. We need to be able to think about our uh, problems and our clients and our profession in a way that lawyers don't, like artists and football players and teammates and all of the things that we were before we went to law school. So absolutely think like a lawyer, but don't only think like a lawyer. And that's going to be an attribute of some of the best, most successful lawyers, especially in this new era. 
remembering to think like a person, what struck me about your keynote, which I just watched, was that, especially for an event like this, which is the Academy for Private Practice, I'm going to say it because I do remember it, um, <laughs> which is largely geared around teaching people to start up their own practices. And marketing being so key to that, one thing that you know really stood out that you talked about was the way in which the clients aren't looking for the same things you're probably wanting to say. You're wanting to talk about your boring stuff and they want to see the important thing. Right, that's right. So what matters to your client is usually a completely different set of things that is on your website or your Avo or your uh, LinkedIn profile. The things that you list are often completely irrelevant to your clients. So you got to think like your clients. You have to empathize with them and you know, really understand what they're looking for. What are they looking for? They might be looking for parking, yeah. or childcare, or being able to meet with you outside of their business day. And these are all things that could differentiate you as a lawyer or as a law firm in the profession, but we often don't think about them. We think about putting the same stuff that everybody else puts on their bio or their firm website. If you look at 90% of the firm websites in America, they have all of the same menu tabs across the top. You know, locations, our attorneys, practice areas. It's the same stuff. Yeah. So how do you expect really to get yourself out of the pack if you do exactly the same thing in exactly the same way? I said in the talk, it's kind of like the worst deal lawyers in the world who take the same contract uh -huh. and right. just replace the party names. We're doing it with websites. So we've, we've got to do better. If we're going to really understand our clients and market effectively to them and uh, meet their needs, we've got to think like them. We've got to understand them better. Well, one question that came up towards the end was that sometimes websites are viewed by other lawyers and sometimes they're viewed by the clients. And so the, finding that right balance in between. And one, one example you brought up during the, the talk was that Van Winkle firm and its kind of split website right? as like a possible model where you have all the boring stuff that other lawyers want to see and then a split screen that has all the stuff that a real human being might want to. Yeah. Get to know us as lawyers. Get to know us as people. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like that. You know, it's um, when I think of the lawyers who I hire to represent Fastcase, they're friends of mine. They're people who I like hanging out with. They're people who you know, I, I trust, but I really enjoy spending time with. If we're gonna do a deal together or if we're gonna, you know, work together on something, I wanna work with people who I know and who I like. So you're, you're admitting on the air that you enjoy spending time with lawyers occasionally. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's key. <laughs> There's a first. The one other thing that I had to talk about, which getting to talking about people rather than lawyers is Looking through your bio, the thing that jumped at me that was interesting was your time in the White House as a speechwriter. So you were, you were working as a speechwriter in the latter half of the Bush the Elder administration. Right, right. What was that office like? Did you just like mercilessly haze whoever wrote, read my lips, no to taxes all the time? Like what? Well, to be clear, I was about 10 years old oh, uh, no. at the time. So there was, if there was any hazing, I was usually on the working end of it. <laughs> I was a researcher in the Office of Presidential Speechwriting. It was my first job out of college. I was one of two Democrats politically appointed to the George Herbert Walker Bush administration. And let's just say it was lucky because I was still young enough that I thought I knew everything. <laughs> and so um, it, was a, it was an amazing experience. I you know, bounded up the steps to work every day. And uh, you know, regardless of what you think about his politics, George Herbert Walker Bush was an outstanding individual, like a great human being, uh, a really nice guy to work for. It was a, it was a truly wonderful experience. And uh, 
you know, I, I got in so many fantastic fights um, because, I, you know, I, when I came in, I said, look, I, I should tell you guys I'm a Democrat, right? <laughs> and they said, you know, kid, <laughs> you're going to be like answering the phone and like <laughs> sending faxes. I don't care if you're Writing a communist, birthday cards. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to be setting the foreign policy for the administration <laughs> here. It doesn't really matter what your politics are. So it was, it was an awesome experience. It was really great. No, yeah, that just jumped out at me as I was reading. I was like, this is what I want to talk about. I want to hear what that must have been like. One of my favorite days. So one of the things I would do is I would take all of the comments for speeches. Uh, speech writers would write a speech, and they would send it out to everyone who cared about it in the agencies, inside the White House, uh, governors, and people like that. And so then all the drafts would come back, and they would have all these edits that were always mutually inconsistent, right? <laughs> right. So one person would say one thing, one person would say the opposite thing, and the speechwriters wanted nothing to do with it at this point. They wanted somebody who could be fired very easily, like me, um, <laughs> to reconcile these unreconcilable comments. And so sometimes I would do that. I would try to reconcile comments from people who were very, very important and powerful and tell them no. Um, and so, you know, my favorite day at the White House was I showed up to work one day wearing a bow tie that someone had given me as a gag, and the White House Chief of Staff came storming down the hall, John Sununu, yeah, I was with a say, copy of the speech in his hand, time, yeah. saying, who is Ed Walters, and what is his agenda? <laughs> <laughs> Why wow. did you leave that good gig to go to law school? I used to do oppo for the DNC. Um, I love that gig out of college, and then I decided to go to law school because, you know, I, I made bad choices. Like, why did you... I was elected out of office. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, it wasn't in my choice. That will dog you. Right. <laughs> well, I think we've reached the end of our program. I want to thank Ed Walters from Fast Case, remember that, for joining us today. Uh, if the listeners have any questions or wish to follow up, is there a way they can reach you? Uh, you can always reach me on Twitter, at EJ Walters. Um, and all of our stuff is on the web at fastcase.com. Cool. Well, on behalf of Ellie, I'm going to say this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Joe Patrice. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks, Joe and Ellie. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.